Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, I've got two members of the gang alongside me, I've got Tony and James. And before we get going and find out how the chaps are, we are, we're not Dominic Cummins, we are still observing social distancing and lockdown rules, so we are recording from our own homes. So if you do hear any background uh, noise, we apologise for that, but ultimately uh, we're kind of governed by all of that. Um James, Tony, how are we both? Yeah, yeah good, mate. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you, Kev. Excellent. Well, I've got you both together, and I'm sure it comes as no surprise the reason why I've got you both together. Uh, James, I'll come to you first. Is it the king is back, long live the king? Or is it, oh my God, town, what the hell have you done? <laughs> uh, it's probably somewhere in between, really. Um, it, it was probably, if it, it was more towards the second option to start with. Um, but there's, yeah, I've had a few days to have a think about it now. And um, yeah, the, the shock has gone down, the, the shock level. And we were speaking about it the, the night before it was announced when, uh, was it the Telegraph put a story out? And we just thought, well, surely not. And, and that was the right, that was the, the right thing to think at the time because everything we'd heard previously and everything, you know, this is publicly, it's not, it's not secret or anything that, you know, Gary Sweet properly fell out with him. And, and so we'd said for, we, we'd said in previous podcasts that this would never happen. Never, ever, not in a, on to Sundays, but I guess we've had a month of Sundays in the last, well, however long it's been because, um, it has happened. And, uh, you know, I've, I've spoken to him, um, and everybody would have read the articles or seen the video of what he said. So, um, yeah, he, he's back and uh, got to deal with it now, haven't you? We do. Tony, what's your feelings on his return? <sighs> well, uh, I was a bit incredulous at first and, and, and shocked, um, considering what had happened in the past and uh, how much uh, a few of us had said we didn't want him back. Um, like James, I've had a, a few days to think about it, and uh, I suppose I was a bit fortunate in being on Three Counties Radio on uh, Friday morning on the Andy Collins show was um, sort of basically crystallised my thought processes, and uh, you know, I, I, dis- I, I was a bit disappointed, but I think um, as I've looked at it and I've watched the press conference. Um, it, it is starting to make a bit more sense to me uh, the reasoning why they brought him back. I I just think it's um, it was a bold move. I'll certainly give them that uh, because it runs the real risk of splitting the fan base. But um, they've made the decision, um, and like a lot of things, when a decision is made, I think probably the best thing to do is get behind it and uh, hope that it is a success. Let's look at this from two different sides then. There's obviously the empathetic side and then there's the footballing side. We'll go with the empathy side first. James, the very first thing he said in that press conference on Thursday was, I love this club. Did you believe it? Can you believe it? Can those words be believed again? Yes, I can believe it. It's a very tricky thing, that word, isn't it? Or that that sentence. Because it's not black and white. And, And I think a lot of the reaction is treating it like it is. 
a black and white thing, and it isn't. And then I sometimes wonder whether I'm a, 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 the right person to uh, speak about this sort of thing because in my life I've been very, very fortunate that on a romantic side I've been with the same woman for 20 years I've never actually had my heart broken by anyone romantically speaking and that's what football is football is romance and arguably it's everybody's first romance because you get your first club when you're such a young kid and you love them and it's just it's it's baffling why to anybody else that doesn't like football perhaps why you put yourself through what you do because there's not there's not Unless you're, you know, top of the Premier League, every year, there's not that many highs as a football supporter. There's quite a lot of lows. And so if, if you look at it from that point of view, um, <clears throat> I don't really have the experience to talk about it. But uh, I, I, I do look at everybody's reactions. I've got friends that are Luton Town fans and, and some of them were like Tony in the first instance, absolutely incredulous. And some of them are still incredulous. And they are determined not to change their mind. And I find that particular point of view a little bit, a little bit troubling, because if you're not prepared to accept that somebody can change, or not prepared to accept an apology, when let's be honest, it, it's just a game. <laughs> Even though I, you know what i said before goes it is it is it's bonkers why we like football and love it so much and why you attach yourself to this club do you tell yourself that it's just a game um so it, it, it's kind of weird and it's kind of a troubling modern relatively recent modern phenomenon where people are just so set on one point and they will not change their mind and you can look at it in many different ways you can see you know brexit is palpably a bad idea, but people are, they will not change their mind on it because they've made their decision. And so that is a kind of troubling aspect of it for me. There's a lot of people that are quite set on it. Um, and having watched the interview, well, I was in the interview, I was talking to him, <laughs> and having hear, heard what he has to say, and also importantly, having to hear what Gary Sweet has to say, and you two know him far better than I do you know when he came out and said what he said when he first left that was nailed in the coffin stuff there was no turning back from that but if he can reach out an olive branch to Nathan then they can have a chat and they can uh, forgive he can forgive Nathan and that to me speaks volumes about what the the what the potential of this is if you can just say yes the man made a big mistake it was a big mistake and there were some lots of little other very heartbreaking things that happened and they're well documented like the stoke shirt gap where he got pictured um, doing manager of the month and those things hurt and you know people can listen to this podcast from the time and you know hear how we were feeling because we were all riding this crest of a wave with him. You know, he didn't do it all, but he orchestrated it. You know, it took a whole club's worth of people and staff and players and fans to get on board and make it what it was, but he orchestrated it. So it did when he left and the way he left. 
I think I said at the time, and made me feel a bit like a mug, really, because I'd got on board with it so much. But then to hear him say, yes, he betrayed people and he was apologising and he's determined to win people back, I've got to take that on face value and say that it's quite possible to go back to your very first question. It's quite possible for him to say, yes, that he loved the club. He made a mistake and he's come back to a place that he feels that he shouldn't have left, perhaps. And that's where I'm sort of coming from it. Um, Admittedly, from here on in, it, it may take football results to change those stubborn people's minds and maybe it, it won't take anything to change those people's minds. I can't, I, like I say, I can't personally get my head around that. If you, if you take away a person's ability to develop and grow and change and admit mistakes, I don't know where that leaves us as a, as a people in society, really, because none of us are perfect. No, that's very true. I mean, Tony, you've obviously watched the press conference uh, since it happened. Did you accept, well, the apology that did come? I mean, it wasn't much of one, but there was one. Did did you accept that? Do you now move on from that? How do you feel about it? I, I, I think at the end of the day, we, we have got to, to move on about, uh, from it. Um, I think, you know, just to clarify, clarify the situation, none of us were upset about what he did. What upset us all was the way he did it and the timing of it. That that's that's yeah. the whole thing. You know, and there's 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 none of us who can turn around and say we've never made a mistake that we bitterly regret. We we we've all done that in, in our lives. Um so I think at some point there has to be um, some sort of forgiveness and the thing is if, if, if when somebody says sorry you either take it on face value or you don't and the trouble with life is this, you know people think life is black and white it's either this or it's that unfortunately in reality it's not there's shades of grey now um, if Nathan says he's sorry then we've got to take that. And, and, and Kev, as, you, as James said, we both know Gary Sweet very well. And going on from what Gary said on that interview, you know, as well as I do, that talks between Gary and Nathan, Nathan would not have got an easy time. Gary would have told him in no uncertain terms what he, what he thought about him and what he did. I know that for certain, and you do as well. So, um, and also, according to what's coming out as well, um, Mick was the one who instigated this. And uh, do you remember when we interviewed Mick Harford some months ago? Um, and I think, I think we did it off, off the record where we talked to Mick about the Nathan Jones situation. And Mick was quite circumspect in what he said. You know, he, he wasn't happy with what he had done, but then he, he was actually sticking up for Nathan and saying that he is a genuine guy and everything else. So if Mick's happy with, with it, if Gary's happy with it, I, I think we've got to accept it and move on. Now, looking at Nathan, I think 
you, you definitely got to say that the guy's got a bit of bowl coming back because you know for well that when he has interaction with supporters, there are some of them who are going to tell them, tell him exactly what they think of him. And the thing is, if he's prepared to front that up and uh, go through that, you know, and, and, and be positive and everything, you've got to give him a little bit of respect back. So um, I, I think it's been done in the best interest of the football club. Um, you know, all three of us have done interviews with players. We know what the players actually thought of Nathan, you know, and uh, I, I don't think that the players will have a, a problem with Nathan coming back. Perhaps maybe the, the few that were brought in by Graham because they, they may not have played under Nathan or had any interaction with him. But you know as well as I do that those players, they will get a lift from it. It can motivate them and um, they will run through brick walls for him. And in, you can see the logic of it in, in the battle that we've got with nine games coming to avoid relegation. That is what we need. We need players to get stuck in, to run through brick walls and be positive. And uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that it, 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 and I'm sure it will in the long run be a positive appointment. And uh, I hope, in all honesty, he, he does it for us. Um, and then he can get back to having his proper place in, in Luton Town Supports' hearts. And, and you know, you, you can't turn around and say that nobody deserves a check, second chance. Um, so if that's what he wants to do and he, he wants to face up to the flack that is going to come his way, fair play to him. So I think Luton supporters, how you feel about it, and, and, and I did feel really uh, angry about it and I thought I'm never having back near the club, but he's there now. And as I said before, we need to give him and the team the support that they need to get out of the trouble that we're in. Which is all fair enough, and I'm sure he will get the support uh, because the Luton fans support the club as much as they do the manager. But James, it can't ever be the same again, can it? Those days at Notts County, for example, they're never going to come back again, are they? I mean, one thing you can say about the events of the last week is you can absolutely never say never about anything ever again. Because, you know, this time last week, this would never have happened. It just wouldn't. We knew it. We knew how the board felt. We knew how Gary felt about it. He'd burnt his bridges. Never going to happen. And then, you know, what a 24 hours that was after that story broke, that he was in advanced talks. And then, and then I'm sat there talking to him on a Zoom conference. Absolutely bizarre scenario. So uh, I think to there's, there's this new phrase in it, isn't there, which I, I, I hope doesn't last for too long, but it's the new normal. And the new normal is this whole scenario around why football shut down and the reasons that are behind the football reasons behind why Nathan Jones has come back. It is that phrase everyone keeps saying. It's unprecedented. You, there's there's nothing you can say that is normal about any of this scenario. But he, he, he's back now, and I remember when he first came, and he didn't have that level of affection when he first came. So it is a thing where you have to earn it. He's lost it, and he said he wants to earn it back. 
And the only way that that will ever come back is if the football is, is the same. Now, arguably, when he was there and when he took over, he took over a mid-table fourth division side. He's now in the championship and he's going to have to initially fight for survival. And if he keeps them up, he's got to try and establish the Luton as a championship side. And if he and if he can't keep them up, not necessarily going to be his fault because there's 30 odd games that have gone before. We, we all know what the reasons are there. But then he's got to try and get them back up uh, and, and build that relationship. So you can only really judge it in the fullness of time with with matches. But it is interesting that you mentioned the thing about Notts County because as we've not had any actual football to talk about, new football to talk about, you know, these lockdown podcasts that we've been doing and we talked about our wonderful memories. And that day at Notts County was one of my most favourite memories in football ever, full stop. And that only came about because of what he'd put in place and orchestrated, as I say, players and staff and fans, there's there's all these different cogs for this machine. But if you talk about the actual moment that I was talking about then, which was at the end of the game when the entire players, playing staff and the coaches all lined up arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, and just watched you guys singing a song, you were singing about him. <laughs> You were singing about him taking you up. Um, and it was a wonderful song. It was great. You don't get too many new songs invented. And that song and that moment all came to a, a pinnacle on that day. And that's because of what he'd done before, but it was a football reason. So if he manages to do recreate that in some way, it won't, it, yes, it won't be the same because it, I mean, if it is the same, then that means he'll take Luton to the Champions League, potentially. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, people will be on board if you can take Luton to the Champions League, but let's let's be realistic for starters. I I suppose what you're asking me is, is, can he have that same rapport with fans? We all know what it was like, and that's why I felt taken for a mug at the time, because he said he loved the club, and it was the chest-beating stuff and going crazy. So I actually asked him that in the press conference. You know, how how can that ever happen again? Can and he said I wanted to, and he, he wants to try and repair that. And again, you've got to take that at face value. That's where he's come back to. He's come back to rights and wrongs and, and get back that love because he clearly didn't get it at Stoke. <laughs> and it's only sometimes when you think the grass is greener and you grow over there, and you realise it isn't that you realise what a good thing you had. You don't realise where you got till it's gone type thing. Um, so, I mean, that side of it might take a lot longer because people do feel hurt, as I alluded to at the beginning, about they love this club, fans love this club, and he said he did, and people believed him, and then he went away, and that's hard to process for some fans. Um and for many, um, that would never be a, a, a situation or a relationship that would be repaired. Like I've said, I've, I struggled to come to terms with that one because people can change. And he's admitted he, he's done wrong. So uh, 
I, I would I would like to see it happen uh, in the fullness of time because those days were magical. You know, they have only been superseded really by what happened last year after he left. If that hadn't have happened, they would have been the best days for years. What what happened at League Two and then for half a League One. But you know, we are what we are, and um, one thing that is going to happen is that sort of, he's not going to have to deal with fans for the remainder of this season. The game's going to be behind closed doors, so um, you know that that could be a benefit or a hindrance. Who knows? Tony, you've mentioned um, about getting behind him and supporting him and and everything else, and that and, and I absolutely concur with that. But will there still always be that doubt in your mind now that every word he says, does he mean it? Is he going to go at the first opportunity? Now, I know we both know Gary and we both know that he's not coming back to be able to leave just when he wants to anymore. You know, he's going to have to go through all the channels in the right way that he didn't do when he left the first time round. But will you all, will you just have that shred of doubt in your mind that the leopard never changes spots kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I, I think that is one of the, the problems. Um, there will be always that little bit of doubt at the back of your mind. Um, however, the only way that um, Nathan can get over that is by his actions, you know, by being honourable this time and honouring what he says he will do. I mean, going back to one of the things James said, you know, it, if he achieves everything we want to, um, then, you know, we could be in that elite band of supporters that the only thing they have to worry about is whether we're going to finish in the top four of the Premiership or not, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Never mind all the financial problems and everything else. Um, But no, I I think, you know, um, whenever a manager is appointed, whoever it is, you never know how it's going to go. You know, well, there's only two ways it can go. Either it can be a success or he, he's going to totally cock it up. And being positive and, and looking at it objectively, we are actually getting somebody who's coming into the club who knows the ethos of the club, knows what the club's all about, knows how um, 2020 operates, um, He does buy into that. And let's not forget that where we are at the moment, although, you know, we're in the relegation zone, we don't want to be there, but to have got into that fight in such a short space of time, a lot of that is down to Nathan, and he has totally changed the culture at the pub. Um, So, obviously, we've got to give him credit for that. Um, So, for us as supporters, yeah, we are getting... Uh, somebody we know. Uh, we know that he he will work hard. He does do that. He has got that work ethic. Um, and I, I I think he can get the best out of the players. And uh, in in one sense, it, I, I've got sort of mixed feelings about this. But in in one sense, I look at it and think, well, do you know what? I think what twenty twenty have said is right. What Gary has said we have increased our chances of getting out of that bottom three in the championship. Um, you know, um, I know with a break in football, things can change, but uh, hopefully he can keep that run of form going. And we know the type of football he likes to play. Um, 
So I, I, I think at least in, in that sense, we've got the right character who can give us the best shot of staying up. Yeah, James, Tony's brought it round to a football point of view, so let's continue with that. From a footballing point of view, then, is he the man to keep us up? Now, there's two arguments here, isn't there? Obviously, when he was here the first time, the football was fantastic to watch, really enjoyable. The ride was magnificent, if a little tarnished with the way that he's left and things. However, we've I've mentioned on this podcast in the past and on your website and things, sometimes certain results don't look as good when you separate them individually as the collective. So And then when you take his Stoke record into account as well, which is really the only thing that it can be judged on as a parallel to where he is now, does it concern you? Have they got the right man? It's, it's exceptional circumstances again, isn't it? This is um, a, a never-before-seen thing where... Luton have got nine games to save their skin. They're going to have to do it in empty stadiums. Um, and, and I've heard, you know, Gary said it in that press conference I was in, and I've heard him saying it in a couple of other interviews that he's done the same mantra, that they've got to have a, a guy that hits the ground sprinting. And in, in that regard, he's right. It, it, he brought most of those players there. He set up it, that culture. Just to interrupt, did he not have that with Mick? What, uh, to Mick um, manage the, the last sprint. nine games? Hitting the ground sprinting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he would have, because Mick's, Mick's been there and Mick's done it and Mick's got the respect to the players, but you've got, to, you've got to also respect Mick as well. He didn't want to do it. You know, he, at the end of last season, he said it felt like redemption for all that he'd been through in managing Luton. It was. It was the perfect... Uh, end. It was tied up with a little bow. It was absolutely perfect. He would have done it. Of course he would. He loves the club. But there was an element that he could have tarnished that legacy. Uh, I mean, we know it wouldn't because we know how high esteem it was, but you never know what he's thinking if 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 he took him down. He's had that experience before. He wouldn't want that, really. But it's also probably a long-term, a longer-term view, as we know that it's this long-term contract. We haven't got the figures on that of how how long, but um, you'd, you'd have to some, say somewhere between sort of three and five years. Probably is, is a long-term contract in football, isn't it? Not the ten years that Nathan says he wants to be here for. Then, well, I mean that goes on <laughs> how well he does, doesn't it? Really, but uh, you know, it's an indication of how he's feeling and how um, contrite he's being about the whole scenario of how he left. That he realizes he had, he was onto something good here. And he would, he would have, if he stayed last season and he did what Mick did, he would have been a hero. <laughs> and we know that. We've spoken about that before. I think I'm comes... going to... Sorry, John. Sorry. Go on, go on, Tony. No, I, I, I was going to say, just at least one thing he's learned, that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Because going to yeah. start, I mean, we all said at the time, totally in the wrong club for him, because he walked into a basket case scenario. Mm. A group of uh, ex-Premier League players. And I I think to a certain extent, he he thought he was going in there. You don't know. He could have been totally missold to involve Stoke management. Um, Went in there, you've got a group of players, and and, and look at him thinking, who the hell is he? Who's this other guy coming in telling us how to play football? So I think there's a lot of elements there, mate. So, you know, um, 
it, to that extent, I think we've got some, you know, he, he's come back and he's a bit wiser for having the experience in a lot of ways, I think. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think sometimes it's easy to forget how um, well-run Luton Town Football Club is. And it's not often the case in many football clubs. Um, and there, there isn't that connection between the fans and the board as there is at Luton. It's, it, it, you know, I, I don't, I can't think of all the clubs and know how they're run, but I would imagine it's quite rare in the whole football league to have that. And so sometimes when you have that for so long, you can take it for granted and, uh, and don't forget about it. And forget about it, sorry. So maybe when Nathan left, he realised, like like Tony said, Stoke is his basket case club. It's, it's a club in disarray because they think that they should be somewhere where probably for eight years or whatever it was they were in the Premier League, it was a bit of an exception. The, the championship is probably their level. Um, but they've had that taste of what they expect it to be and they think that they should be back there. And um, anything other than a promotion pushed when he took over for this season was going to always going to be deemed a failure because that's what they expect. But if you don't have the right culture at a club, as we've seen with Lewin, you can, you know, before 2020 took over, then it's not going to work. So it needs everybody pulling in the right direction. And and Lewin has had that. So when Nathan left, once you're in it, once you're in that, that situation, you can, you can know all these things and you can think them, but until you've left it, you probably don't realise the extent of it, how good you've probably got it until you've gone away. So, I mean, it's another reason why, to answer one of your previous questions again, is when he says that he loves the club, I, I do believe he loves the club. It's, made, it's just made a massive mistake. Which well, is all fair enough. Uh, let's um, concentrate on the pitch of Antony. I mean, I can't remember if it was James, Michael, someone asked, about the fullback situation, obviously they're pivotal to the me. way that he plays his football. It was James. I thought it was, but I'd never like to give you credit where you don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, they're not they're obviously not here, are they, Jack Stacey and James Justin? So are we confident that he can get the best out of what he's got and still go with that formation, or is he gonna to have to adapt? And if he has if he is gonna to have to adapt, has have you seen enough from him that suggests he can adapt? I think it's 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 the it's always been the case at Luton where we have up and coming youngsters come in and they start to really look good and you think do you know what we've got a diamond here and the next thing you know they've they've gone. It was always on the cards that um, JJ and, and uh, Jack were going to go, um, and you can't you can't begrudge them that. But if you look at Luton's track record over the years, not not just with Nathan. We've always had up-and-coming players coming in. We've always had good young players coming into the club. And I think that a lot of that's got to do with the youngsters. They see um, that Luton will not stand in their way if there's an opportunity for them. So I, I, I think on that score, I think that the, the future looks quite bright for us, especially if we can stay up. Because if there's a, a club like that that's in the championship... Um, younger players are going to want to come here, you know. And also, you know, we we have got 
other clubs in our locale, they're, they're trawling, they're looking for, for these little diamonds here and there. Obviously, the higher up the pyramid we are, the more chance we've got of attracting the better and brighter diamonds, as it were. So I, I think we have still got some good youngsters coming through. Um, we've yet to see um, the lad Kyoto that came in and, and what he can do for us. Um, and I, I think Nathan will get the the best out of him. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, let's not forget, it, 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 with the club, I mean, Mick will go out and look at players and, and recommend them. Uh, and as far as that, Nathan is the one that does the, or did do the final selling job on the club, but the vision of where we're going, what we're doing, and the facilities we can offer now as well with the new training ground. And, you know, I know it's been delayed because of the current situation, but the new, uh, the, the stadium, at least there's planning there. We've got planning permission. So <clears throat> that's still quite attractive. So I, I think, um, you know, we've, we've got a bright future either way. If, if worse comes to worse and we go down, it'll be hard. Um, it'll be financial, financially disastrous for the club. But we will work hard and we'll come back again. We've done it in the past. Um, I don't think there is a club that's been hammered the way we have and gone out of the league into non-league football and has come back and doing very well in such a short space of time. Um, so I, for one, am optimistic and positive and I think that we've got a good future ahead of us. James, you asked the question about the fullbacks, so I'm guessing you think it's a concern. Is that is that how you see it? Are you worried? Well, it's a concern as much as it was a concern for Graham Jones because it was such a uh, it was such a, an important weapon in, in Luton's arsenal, uh, and they don't have it now. But perhaps, like we say, we haven't seen the the Kyoso play maybe he can come in um and towards the end of the the run before the shutdown james spree was a lot better on the on on the the other side of the pitch where he hadn't been deployed so you never know and uh, and may you know nathan is a motivator you've got, you've got to say that that's one of the reasons he has been brought back so um and Tony made the point that the players will run through brick walls for him, and you have to say that they that they will. Uh, and I, I also asked the question about you know some of the out of contract players because Nathan brought them in. He he spoke many times about how he uh, loved Glen Ray, thought it was wonderful. Maybe he can get he can work out something that gets him to stay, and then Danny Hilton. Everybody knows the respect the two had for each other um, when he wasn't getting sent off on books. Um, and, and maybe maybe Danny can stay as well because, you know, we're not that far away from those boys having no contract soon. Um, you know, I, I asked that question. They, they couldn't really answer it at the time. But, you know, if, they, if those boys can get a, a run in the team and they feel like they're wanted, maybe they would be prepared to stay. So that's another aspect of it. I think we've got a better chance of keeping them, actually, now that Nathan Jones is back. 
Yeah. Really do. Yeah. I was looking at the out contract players and I was getting sort of worried about it. Um, you know, in, in particular, losing Glenn Ray, mm. a real guy to us. Um, but I'm quite confident that he will stay with us now. Yeah. You know, like, well, I, I, also, he loves the club. Well. Yeah, well, exactly. So, there are things that, can, that, like, particularly with Danny Hill, and he's only played like 15 minutes or whatever it was, mm. um, to give him a run out and see what can be done. Maybe there can be some old magic rekindled there. Um, but I think he might have to. He might have to think how differently he can play because don't forget that um, while Jack Stacey came in and really was the business straight away, uh, JJ wasn't even the first choice, was he? So he had to work his way into that system. And once he got the chance, he never let it go. And he, he he's now Premier League footballer, isn't he? With Leicester. So, um, but it's all about coming in and hitting the ground sprinting as, as Gary Sweet says you haven't got that time to try and work things out so it, it's going to be a interesting one what he does because they that, that is his formation that that diamond with the fullbacks at bottom that, that that's what he, he perfected it later and Graham Jones tried to do a bit of that it didn't quite work because of those two players so you, I mean you, you wrote a who wrote many things, written many things on my website, but you talked about um, the adaption, um, which is something that Nathan Jones didn't have first time around. But he says he's gone away and he's come back and he's a better manager. Now, we can only see that once students start playing games, because if you take championship games, like you say, that's the only marker that you really have. Mm. It didn't go well, did it, at Stoke? But well, it went worse than what... The other Jones went here, didn't it? I mean, absolutely, yeah. yeah. But who knows what the what the circumstances were around at the Stoke? Oh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's it's not a club in a good place, is it? So, uh, yeah, so it, it's such a tricky one. I, we've all seen that Luton have suffered from not having those two players or some players that are able to step in and half fill the boots. Even half fill the boots would have been amazing, but. Um, the two loan signings haven't particularly worked out, and you know, pre last few games, uh, maybe the exception, but um, that is what he's been brought in to do: is try and motivate um, the team, try and find solutions to the, these problems that he doesn't have, uh, the problems that he does have now, and uh, ultimately get Luton to to survive. Let's go through some potential winners and losers then from the situation. I mean, James has just mentioned uh, Danny Hilton and Glenn Ray. I mean, Tony, I'm guessing someone like Andrew Shinney is probably going to be quite pleased with this appointment. He was a regular under Nathan, not quite so under Graham Jones. And if Nathan does go back to that diamond formation, Andrew Shinney would look perfectly fit uh, to play that role that he played once again. Maybe a loser in the situation, potentially Harry Cornick. I don't know. Mm. It's a very difficult one to, to call because, uh, you know, initially you'd look at it and think, well, probably the ones that are going to be most important to another ones that have got as much possible. Um, but, you know, it, you look at it, you think, 
over the, the part season that they played, some of them have been outstanding. I mean, and have stepped up, like Harry Cornick, like Pelly. Um, so he'll make use of those. But he, he also knows Andrew Shinney. Um, you know, so I, I, he knows them and he, he knows what they can do. I mean, another one is Luke Berry, isn't it? You know, what's going to happen with Luke. Um, and then, you know, the, 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 the lone players that are, that are there, and I'm talking about um, Izzy Brown, how, how will um, Nathan use him? And the other one, which, to be honest with you, in a short space of time, I thought he's been outstanding, is uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, um, mm. how we'll use him. And, uh, you know, we still don't know whether, whether they're going to be able to play. Uh, we, we don't know what's happening with their parent club, do we? I think they're no. season loans, aren't they? So I think that they, if our season continues, they have to be here unless we, unless we send them back. That's kind of the vibe that I, that I picked up from it. I mean, you're you're absolutely right to flag Cameron Carter Vickers, and I guess James, if anyone knows how to use him, it's Nathan Jones because for the three months of this season that he was at Stoke, Cameron Carter Vickers was there too. It's not like they're meeting each other for the first time. Yeah, yeah, though that would be a bonus. He did add some solidity, didn't he? And um, he got, you thought, I thought he was particularly impressive in the last game at Wigan um, when Wigan looked like they were going to snatch it. Um, so, yeah, that, that is going to be a bonus. But then um, the combination of Matty Pearson and Sonny Bradley is, is, uh, is what, uh, part of the, the formula that got Luton up, isn't it? From. Uh, when Nathan were back, so um, uh, well, there's also there's another player, isn't it? The, the, the lesser spotted Elliot Lee. <laughs> Maybe he might be rubbing his hands together a bit more because he, uh, you know he's he knows Nathan as well. So the, I think on the perspective of just getting Nathan back to um, give a lift to the players is quite a shrewd move, and. Um, I was listening to BBC Six Five Five Live today when Gary was on, and he was speaking to uh, Clinton Morrison and just sort of saying that there'll be a lot, there, there potentially would be a lot of animosity from fans because of the reasons we spoke about earlier that fans love their club and there's a lot of emotional attachment. But footballers are professionals and they see it as a as a job. Now. That is true, but also if you've been part of a team, a winning team, and you've ridden the crest of the wave that we were talking about, which most of those have, you will also have good feelings about him coming back. Um, you know, unless there was any personal animosity between any of them, and you, you probably have to say there wasn't because they are professionals at the end of the day. That when fans talk about loyalty they're really projecting what they feel about the club. Whereas very, there's very few cases of, in football where loyalty from a manager or a player is applicable. Uh, you know, one high profile I can think about is Steven Gerrard, where he had obviously a chance to go to Chelsea in their pomp with Ch uh, Jose Mourinho and it was the 11th hour and he just decided to turn around and say, he wanted to stay with his hometown club and and do what he could do. And he, he recognised that he might win less trophies, but if he could win one, that would mean more to him. So there's a lawyer who think there, but it, that is such a rare case um, that uh, 
it's it's applied too often the the loyalty principle <laughs> when in in actual practice it doesn't it doesn't come off so let's uh, kind of wrap it up then i mean tony are you more confident we'll stay up now that nathan's been appointed same as you were or less so um now i've had some time to think about it kev um i'm actually more confident um because I think it, 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 the feel-good factor amongst the players will have a lot to do with it, confidence and everything. And as I said earlier, he's a good man-manager. He can motivate them. And I think that's only going to be a good thing for us. So I'm hoping at the end of these nine matches, um, he'll turn us around, he'll, he'll keep us up, and he'll be able to turn from a zero into a hero. And I'll throw the same question at you, James. Um, I, I think that the chances are increased because you you also got to think that you're taking the fan element out of this scenario because the fans won't be in the ground. So it is really going to be about that relationship between Nathan and the players. And as we've talked about, we think that that's quite strong. Um, but also, I, when he first he, when he came the first time, he invited all the media down. I've said this before, and he told us the formation he was going to play, and he let us watch training. And the, the way that they trained, the intensity of it was phenomenal. So, if you are going to be playing in an empty stadium in what many would usually think would be like a pre-season or a practice match scenario, he's not going to let them get into the mindset of that. And th- that again is quite a shrewd move to get him back because I've seen what he does when nobody's looking uh, and that is going to have to be the case again they're, you know they're going to have to try and there's a case to say that not having fans in the ground could be a help could take away the nervousness but it also fans or uh, players always say that having those fans cheering you on gives them an extra level as well so um it's a it's a very unknown factor that we're going to have to deal with with these next nine games. Um, but I'm kind of glad that the nine games are going to happen because uh, I've said previously that I was desperate for football. So um, hopefully it's on its way back soon. I think uh, players, not players, supporters, I think, just need to have an open mind with it. And... Uh, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But what's your views on it, Kev? You can ask it us. What, what do you think? Get my views on um, Thursday, Tony. <laughs> yes, <but laughs> anyone who's watched our YouTube channel will know. Um, I still hold my, my I still hold for balling concerns. I'm not really bothered about the empathy side of things. End of the day, I've broke people's hearts. People have broke my hearts. We've repaired relationships and things. And ultimately, he hasn't got to prove anything to me. As a person, he's just got to prove it on the football pitch, hasn't he? My doubts are whether he's good enough to get us out of trouble with the fallback situation that he has and just how much um, being beaten all the time by, uh, at Stoke has affected him because these things do affect do affect people. If he, if, he's, if he is a better manager like he says he is, then fantastic. If he's not... And I kind of got question marks over that. But, I mean, he's back. He deserves our support for uh, the nine games that he's going to manage us. And hopefully he is good enough to go up. And if he's not, hopefully two teams decide to get significant points deductions and we still stay up. 
and uh, we build again under him, don't we? But yeah, he hasn't completely silenced my concerns. I've got to admit. Well, Barnsley have already um, uh, reignited that debate, haven't they, about the, the, the potential fines and penalties for teams? Because that seems to have fallen by the wayside. It would be probably a, a legal scenario if the league don't sort it out before the end of the season. Teams like Barnsley, like Lillian, went down, and uh, and you know. Well, it can't so happen. Exactly. exactly. Um, and they've done, they've gone to all these great lengths to get football back on, in my view, largely to avoid litigation scenarios because there would have been many. Um, and there may still be with uh, League Two, League One. We, we don't yet know because those decisions haven't been made yet. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, but then it, the, um, the, the thing about I've heard many people say you should never go back, but Luton have had a manager that's gone back, haven't they? Now I don't remember it. My memory, I, I caught the tail end. Of, I caught the tail end of it as a young lad the second time round, but I was I was too young for the first time round. But so I was going to ask uh, Tony, how did it how did it go for David Pleat? Funny enough, there, there was a bit of controversy over that when he came back because. Um, We'd, we'd had Jimmy Ryan as manager and uh, the way he was sacked, he'd, he'd actually done a great job of motivating the team and keeping us up against all the odds. And then he, all of a sudden he was out on his ear um, with David Pleat coming back. So um, Pleat, he was, was great in, the, in the, his first spell. Um, I don't think he was quite the same in his second spell. So he... He didn't get, you know, he, he wasn't exactly welcomed back with open arms the second time. However, he he did a reasonable job in uh, stabilising the ship, but then eventually left again, I think, if I believe rightly, to go to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and I think then he, he left because he could see the writing on the wall then that we were going to go down again. Um, but... Uh, we played it at least uh, again. We the second time we were playing decent football. We got to an FA Cup semi final, so um, not quite the same as his first spell in the top flight, but um, it was okay. And to be honest, that's that, that's the only time off the top of my head I, I, I can think of uh, of a manager actually coming back and uh, managing us. So. Uh, it's a little bit more intense this time, but uh, hopefully Nathan will have a bit more success than David Pleat did in his second spell. Was there a case to say, though, that the, the, when Pleat came back, the team wasn't as good as when he left? Oh, no, it wasn't as good. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't as good. Um, the team he built um, to actually run away with the division and we're in now to get up to... Uh, uh, Division One, what is now the Premier League. Um, it took him a few years to build that, but I've, I've, the football that we played, um, that team was just unreal. Did the passing and movement, um, the players we had were, were actually fantastic. And over that period, I, I saw some wonderful games of football. Um, but eventually it, 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 it came to an end as it would because you, you've got to be realistic the size of club we are um, and I, I think this is one of the great things about 
supporting a club like Luton is the roller coaster. You know, when, when you're on that high, um, it's brilliant and we have fantastic times. And then again, when we have the real lows, the depths of despairs, you look at them and you think, you know, over the years, while we were in the conference, there was Chelsea and Arsenal, um, amongst others, bleating and, and moaning how terrible it was because we haven't won a trophy this season. <laughs> you know, you look at Man United when they don't win anything in the season. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, they're out in the ashes and sackcloth. So, um, you know, I, would, I wouldn't have it any other way. So, you know, we've, we've had plenty of lows. So when we get that highs, it might not be at the top level, like you're saying about Notts County or, or you know, last season. Um, we appreciate them more, I think. You know, and it makes you feel so much closer to your football club. Um, and as I said, wonderful times, some really, really bad lows. But I wouldn't change a single thing for it. I wouldn't change any of it. Yeah, no, none of us would, would they? And hopefully Nathan can uh, recreate those um, high moments again, obviously starting with these nine games to come. Um, I think in summary then, he's back. Get behind him. Let's hope he gets the job done. Mm. Cut him some slack and give him a second chance. I think the thing probably is that the board have all reconciled with him. And, you know, the majority of Luton fans are behind the board because of what they've done has been exceptional. So you have to really trust their judgment. I do see the occasional people that still don't think the board have done very good and those people just uh, need to give their heads a wobble. But, um, yeah. I'll go along with that, James. You know what? I'm sure Kev will back me up on this one. One of the things that I look at and I really, really does annoy me is when you see these comments, I don't trust Gary Sweet. I don't. And I look at it and I think, for God's sake, you know, you don't know the guys. We've known him, what, 20-odd years, Kip? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever known Gary to want anything other than a successful Luton Town? No, exactly that. I can remember about two or three times actually talking to the guy, and he turned around and said, you know what, it's it's a bonus that I've got into this. But he said, all I've ever wanted to be able to do is just sit in the stand and watch my team play football. That's what he's ever wanted to do. But now, yeah, he's, he's coming. He's done a great job for us. And I think supporters really need a wake-up call because I, 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 it's, it's, it generally tends to be the younger ones. They, they don't um, fully appreciate what they owe to him, what he's done for this club. I, I know some of the things, you know, that he's he's lost and he's given up for this um, and uh, how hard he's actually worked to get this club where it is. So... Um, you know, hopefully people will start giving them a bit of slack. Yeah, no, that's just, a fair point. Just the short memory thing, isn't it? Because it was only a year ago, just over a year ago, that, um, the, you know, the board were, and what they did regards Power Court and Newton's Park, yeah. they could do no wrong. And so you'd like to think people could have a slightly bigger take on it and think that they do have the best interests in the club out, which is, again, and I've said it here today, such a rare thing in football, isn't it? So, um, to have a, a, a board, a board of supporters that run the club and put their time and money in um, because they love the club is, is very, very rare. So, uh, yeah, it, it does baffle me that one. But uh, it, 
does give me it did give me some food for thought when I heard Gary say that and um, it it has sort of uh, tempered my initial shock. Yeah, if they can reconcile uh, reconcile with him, there probably is hope for him with the supporters. That's for uh, that's for sure. Okay, so that's the Nathan Jones uh, issue kind of put to bed um, for now. I'm sure it's going to crop up again in the future, but we'll leave that until then. News has just broke, though, James. As we've been recording the first part of this podcast, the EFL made an official statement about the return to football, and I'll read the statement out and I'll get your reaction to it. Following Saturday's announcement by the government to allow elite sporting events to return behind closed doors, the EFL has this weekend agreed to a provisional restart date of the weekend of 20th of June 2020 for matches in the Skybet Championship. That date is subject to the strict proviso that all safety requirements and government guidelines are met and that clubs receive clearance from their local authorities in order to stage matches at their home grounds. After various discussions and uh, approaches, the importance of completing the season in a similar timeline to that of the Premier League to avoid any potential issues regarding uh, promotion and relegation, the Skybet Championship season is set to conclude with the Championship playoff final on or around the 30th of July 2020. Details of that are still to be announced and uh, discussions are going on with the league's broadcast partner Sky Sports. During the weekend's discussions, it was further agreed to consider changing regulations to permit the use of five substitutes in the remaining fixtures and also increasing the matchday squad from 18 to 20 players. Discussions will continue with championship clubs in this respect. Your reaction, James? We are now, well, less than 20 days from football restarting. Well... Considering I've had a right old moan up about not watching any football, I'm delighted about it, obviously. Um, and I was kind of expecting it to come along uh, a week after the Premier League. So that, that tends to be um, what was going to happen since they, the Premier League started training a week before the Championship clubs. But I think the Premier League come back on the 17th, don't they? Um, so it's only going to be a couple of days later. So it's a tiny bit sooner. Uh, than I expected, but um, it, it it's good that it's coming back. Uh, but I just try and squeeze nine games in what twenty eight days is it? Twenty eight uh, yeah. days is uh, is a massive ask. I mean, it's going to be the same for everybody, isn't it? It's going to be an equal playing field on that perspective. But uh, you don't often. If you're sort of playing a game every three days, you're only going to be able to train maybe half a day in between each game because you have to have rest and recovery periods. Uh, So it's going to be a massive um, stress on the players' bodies, which I imagine is why that they've added two extra subs and and are talking about boosting the matchday squad, which is great for massive squads like Leeds and West Brom but Luton probably a bit light really but uh, um, well, yeah, what happened to the, the 56 days that Rick Parry was talking about has football not come back soon enough for that to happen I don't know that seemed like a reasonable time frame this is like half of that isn't it so, um, yeah it's uh, well and also judging by this season and albeit that's with a different manager uh, Luton struggled with a game every three days. 
um, or, or three games a week, sorry. Um, that That is a bit of a concern, isn't it? Yeah. I think Rick Parry's making it up as he goes along, James. Yeah, isn't everyone? <laughs> yeah. well, it, it is a big ask, though, isn't it? That number of games, such a short space of time. Um, you know, how much of that do you think is down to trying to get it all done before the players' contracts run out? You know, although yeah. they end at the end of June, but in effect, they get an extra month, don't they? So uh, there might be a lot of that to do with it. But it, it's got to be resolved one way or the other, and at least they, they you know, they're doing their best to get it sorted. Um, but you just think it. it it's waiting for something to go wrong, isn't it? You know, uh, it was playing those nine games in, in, in 28 days, but then they still want to do the playoffs at the end of it, don't they? Mm. So there's still going to be extra games there as well. So it, it, it's going to be um, a nightmare, as it were, you know. And it, again, this, this brings in the, um, the idea one of the ideals of football is that right from grassroots level to the top of the game, the rules and everything should be the same for everybody. You know, there's lower leagues that have actually cancelled their their seasons. Um, so it, again, it, it's not the same for everybody. I understand the financial implications of them not finishing the league and everything, and they have got to do it. But then have a sudden rule that they've got five subs instead of three. Again, I know why they're doing it because uh, it is going to put a lot of pressure on players. The only thing I, I, you know, I feel sorry for is the clubs in League One because you know playing in front of an empty stadium gives Milton Keynes an unfair advantage, doesn't it? <laughs> they're used to it, aren't they? You know, so uh, you know, I think you know, I'm, I'm just going to watch it you know again the only games if they're available i will watch will be Luton games because i never watch the premier league i have uh, little to no interest in it and i won't until Luton get there um but you know i, I can see a lot of guys are going to get nagged football again oh, it's worse than the world cup you know uh I can see a lot of that happening. It's but, certainly uh, yeah, going to happen if that Premier League schedule is anything to go by in there because they're, that's relentless. They've not actually announced the schedule for um, the Football League yet. I guess that's going to come uh, in this week. I mean, to be fair, Tony, this week has been a week full of surprises, but perhaps the yeah. biggest one is that you went an hour without mentioning that MK Don's joke in this podcast. So, um, <laughs> well, well done on, um, on better in uh, all of the other surprises that have come along. Uh, James, just on um, Toby's comment about the five subs and things, I mean, it does play to the bigger bigger squads, doesn't it? But then equally, is that kind of negated by the fact that the games are going to be coming that thick and that fast that no one's really going to get through this with 16 players all told, are they? You know, you know, you're going to probably have to use 25, maybe even 30 players over this month. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, you've also got to take into account the fact that um, Leeds aren't going to have a full Ellen Road to play in as well, and all these other, you know, small factors that would never usually be the case are going to come into play. Um, on the other, on the flip side, you could say that um, because there's going to be no fans and there's going to be um, five substitution, it adds to the fact that it could be more like a you know, practice match or a pre-season run out. And I, yeah, I imagine, 
they've not actually said it in that statement, but the five subs can only be made at three times. So it's just like before. You you can't make five subs every five minutes, one sub every five minutes. You can only make them three times during the game. Right, okay. Yeah, I, I suppose that's good. I mean, I, I, I kind of don't see why it can't be done anyway, regardless of having to um, fulfil a fixture list because of coronavirus, because of the amount of the physicality of the game these days, I, I, it would make absolute sense to add more substitutions. And you see it in rugby union, there are rugby top flight rugby union players that never play a full 80 minutes. They always get hauled off after a certain amount of time because it's that physical and the demands are that physical. Well, well football, you're not getting you know speared by a seven foot giant. <laughs> The, the the stress on your legs and turning and, and moving and sprinting all the time and the amount of distance they run that we know they run because they wear these GPS vests. It, it makes absolute sense to be able to like change the team up a bit more if you can to 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 spare the players and and help them out a little bit more. Um, it would be interesting to see if if uh, when presumably they have a EFL board meeting with all the clubs that they tend to have at the end of closed season, whether clubs push for it because it might actually work for them. It might be good for the players. Well, it would widen the pathway for youth players, wouldn't it? I mean, they've upped the matchday squad now to 20, so that's nine substitutes on the bench. Ain't too many play- too many teams that without a couple of injuries are going to be able to fill that without, you know, one or two youth players. So maybe this opens the door to the young players coming through pathway, which actually Nathan Jones has gone down and successfully done before. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from sometimes when your hand's forced to do these things, the good, good thing comes. And we know that football is so um, rigid against change so often, too often, um, that it's nice to see that they can implement these things and, and, and maybe once you've got a taste for it, um, you don't go back. And it, could be a, it could be a good thing. I mean, um, it's good to hear that they're not going to allow you just to make five different tactical substitutions just to slow the game down, which is probably where it's not a good idea. But in terms of uh, player welfare, it's, it's probably bang on particularly in the current situation. Yeah, I mean, Tony, what did you think on that sort of opening the pathway a bit more to the younger players coming through? Because, I mean, to be fair to the EFL, they've always had this thing about getting homegrown players through, haven't they, via the Checker Trade Trophy and things like that. This would be another um, potential way of doing it, really. Yeah, yeah, looking at it that way, that, that can only be a good thing for, for the likes of us young players coming through. So, uh it's got to be good and it's got to be a positive move. So, yeah, anything at the moment, anything's worth trying, anything's worth uh, looking at. Um, so, yeah, I'll go along with it. Yep, absolutely. Football will be different, but at least we now know that June the 20th is the day Luton Town will play Preston, barring any unforeseen circumstances between now and then. Well, Tony, let's finish this podcast off with an update on trust business. It's been a while if since we we've done it. We it's to. been a while since we've done a regular podcast. And uh, just on that, thanks to everyone who sent us comments in regarding the Jake House podcast and how you enjoyed it. It was a pleasure to interview Jake. I'm glad that everyone um, 
enjoyed listening to his side of the story and everything like that. And we'll bring you more between now and the football season restarting. But this week, Tony, um, everyone thinks the Nathan Jones news was the big news regarding Luton Town, but it's not true, is it? Because we made a donation to the club to the tune of £5,200. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really pleasing thing to do. Um, but that we've actually, we, we, we did have a, uh, our own board meeting and we talked about what we wanted to do because I think some of us had, are, had been asked by supporters and trust members, well, what are the trust doing? And we were talking about this and it's something that just hasn't occurred overnight, as it were. Um, and we, we sort of wondered how was the best way we could do this? Uh, so we, we purchased uh, 10 diamond uh, virtual season tickets. So that's money that's gone into the club. That's obviously going to help things. Um, you know, we're, we're also um, looking at other ways we can do things. I mean, the, the, the Just Giving page that's up as well, that, that's fantastic. And the original aim of that uh, was £500, wasn't it? And now I think it's over 3000 isn't it? It is just approaching on £3,500, yeah. So, I mean, that's fantastic as well. So, I mean, you look at it, that um, that's on the way towards uh, £10,000 that's generated by the trust. So, um, you know, I'm not saying it's all our money, especially with the Just Giving, but, you know, it's a, it's a trust initiative. So, yeah, we've been doing our bit. And good news as well is that the players are doing their bit as well now. So... Uh, Everybody can say that we're all pulling in the in the right direction. Um, I would say to people that if they can, um, you know, go to the Just Giving site and donate what they can. There's no compulsion to do it. If you're in a situation that you can't, don't do it. But you know, if if you can, even if it's just a fiver, everything will help. Um, one other thing I was going to say as well, Kev. I mean, you saying about not doing a regular podcast. I can remember quite a few weeks ago, we were, we were talking and thinking, do you know what, close season's coming up. What are we going to talk about? You know, <laughs> And I don't think I've ever had so much uh, in such a short space of time go on, you know, on, on podcasts. And I mean, I said to Andy Collins on uh, Friday morning, this is getting a regular thing, you know, once a week I'm on his show for whatever reason. <laughs> And he upgraded me to being a friend of the show, which I thought, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? You know, <laughs> but, um, no, it certainly, uh, you know, helped to while away the furloughed hours, should we say. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'll give a message out to all our members and all Luton fans. Look, you know, it, it's a really difficult, hard time. Um, our football club is going through a hard time at the moment. When it has in the past, all the supporters have come together to help get the club through the hard times, and we need to do that again. You know, I, I fully accept that some supporters are not happy about Nathan coming back, and, you know, I was one of them. You know, I've, I've said it quite a few times, you know, I, I wouldn't like him to come back. But the thing is, he's here now. He's a hatter again. And we all need to rally round and we need to support the club, uh, help it to survive. I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you look at it and whether we're in the championship next season or League One, you know, in, in terms of playing football, it's not that important. The, the continued survival of the club is. Where it is important 
is for the financial rewards that come from being in the championship. So the club have got a far better chance of staying in the championship and getting those financial rewards if we all pull together and we all get behind our manager because that's what he is now. He's our manager. Okay, and that's all I've got to say. Sermon over. <laughs> Only mentioned uh, the Just Giving page there. Uh, there's a link to that on our website if you do want to um, donate. It was literally just set up because we had a raft of people uh, messaging us that they couldn't afford their season tickets, but they wanted to contribute something. So there is a link for people to do that, whether small or large. If, if you can afford a donation and you want to donate, do so. But as Tony said, there's absolutely no obligation uh, to do that. What we'll do, though, is we'll include the link where we share this podcast. So uh, the Just Giving link will be out there. And also another reminder that memberships for the next season are open already. Uh, if you visit our website to listen to this podcast, there's a link on the right-hand side. Just click that. You can either renew your membership or become a member for the first time. And uh, I know Tony will echo this that uh, the more members we have the bigger our voice is tony yeah that was what i was just about to say kev you know if, if people supporters join up you're not a member of the trust or you know join up uh your existing member renew because the more people we have as members the more money comes into our pockets the more that we can do for the club and the more that we can do for our members so, you know, if you're not a member of the trust, think long and hard and join up. Do the right thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that's it for this episode of the podcast. As I say, there are more coming out with former players in the weeks to come, so keep an ear out for those. And if you like the podcast, please like, share and tell your friends and everything and give us a rating uh, wherever it is that you listen. Subscribe as well and then you'll be... Um, notified when these new podcasts come out until then though uh, for tony james and myself thanks very much for listening and cheerio yeah, stay safe, everybody. Cheerio. Yeah, cheers